Good morning. How's everyone doing? Well, that's good. I'm doing great. I'd like to welcome those of you on live stream as well. Here in the room, everyone say this with me. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because today is going to be 54 degrees. <laughs> yes. Right. And awesome. Happy March to you. My name is Chris Brown. I'm one of our pastors here, and I get the opportunity and the privilege to be able to wrap up this series with our eighth value. We're going through our values. And today we're going to talk about scripture being our guide. Is it or is it not our guide? We kind of got to look into our personal lives, our professional lives, all of our lives. Is scripture really guiding us through this privilege that we call life? You just saw a recap video of something that happened here two weeks ago. Who was here at the marriage conference? Yes, very good. That's pretty good representation. Yes, this is the wild bunch. You guys bring some energy. I love that. Very good stuff. But uh, I got a chance to be at that uh, conference, and uh, I've always known we had an amazing marriage ministry, but to actually be at an event and be able to just kind of receive, I am so blown away by what God is doing through our marriage ministry. So I just want to give mad props to Teresa Deaver and her team. Very well done. Not just for events, but also for what they do behind the scenes. Lots of different workshops, lots of different little things, a lot of assessment tools, all those kind of things. And so kudos for the actual event. But when I was at the event, I was blown away. I was sitting right here. And uh, next thing I know, I'm getting this uh, link to a couple's checkup, a little assessment tool that I think it's like over $100 value or something like that. Pretty impressive thing for free. And I was like, dang. Right? I was like, that's pretty cool. So I got that. My wife and I are going through that. We're realizing how jacked up she is. And uh, <laughs> uh, so it's really helping us a lot. And I just want to tell you, it's March 1st. And I want to let you know this is the last day. Those of you that got that link, it's your last day to take advantage of that for free. So don't blow it. After church today, go do it. It takes like five minutes. So make sure that you do that. One of the things uh, on that assessment that you will, that we have found, obviously the results are all anonymous, but obviously the tabulations of the totals, we can find out and we say, how many people are struggling with communication? How many people are struggling with conflict resolution? How many people are struggling with uh, finances or how many people are struggling on the spiritual side? We are blown away by the issue right here at Alpine in the area of sexual intimacy. And so we are going to head, we're going to really tackle that head on. And on March 15th, mark your calendars. If you're married, you need to be at this. And here's how you sign up. Okay. So it's a private sign up. So we don't have a line at the orange corner going, oh, oh I see. <laughs> right. Uh, text the word, <laughs> text the word marriage to 97,000 marriage to 97,000 Jill and Mark Savage will be here and they've got tons of insight in this area. And uh, yes, I know it's an awkward topic, but it will be addressed with professionalism and class and your marriage will be better for it. And our marriages never get too good, right? They can always get better. So I want you guys to know about that. Uh, we're here in our week eight of the value series, and this is the last week you got to look at mirrors. Aren't you excited? Like it's the last week. And, but you think about a mirror, think about it. Sometimes you look at a mirror and you're like, Dang, I'm looking good, right? 
So I'm like looking in here, no gray hair at all. And it doesn't happen to me at all. I mean, I've got gray hair everywhere. Sometimes you look into a mirror and you're like, oh, snap. Is, is that an eye booger? <laughs> is that a zit on my hairline? Uh, uh, my waistline was trim last time I checked. I thought that outfit looked better than it does. But you know, the mirror is not the bad guy. It's just a reflection of reality. Oh, snap, right? That hurts to hear. So as in this series, when we're looking into the mirror and we're asking ourselves, with these eight values as a church, how do I line up? Not in a guilt and shame way, but you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, just an awareness of where am I at with these values? Is Jesus really my hope? I don't know, is it? Are people really my passion? When I'm in the middle of a celebrating life or I'm in the middle of a tragedy, do I respond with worship to him? Am I involved in community? Or am I doing life all by myself? Is faith my foundation? Or is something else like sports my foundation or work my foundation or friends my foundation? Am I generous? Last week, we talked about serving as our privilege. Do I put others before myself? And right now, you guys are concentrating. You're like, I don't know. Am I? Am I good? I don't, I don't know. That's between you and God. And this week, we're talking about Scripture. Is it really our guide? Don't get confused. Jesus is still our hope. But he speaks to us through this instrument, this tool, this compass, this gift called scripture. Is it our guide? Or does it just sit on our end table? You know, we asked a group of people about a month ago, two months ago maybe, in preparation for this series, what are some other guides that people use? What, what are some of them? And here's some of their answers. The biggest one I thought that was uh, the most valid was emotions. How do I feel in this moment? How, how, how does this make me feel? Okay, so that's going to guide me through my decision. <gasps> Ouch. Another answer was celebrities. Celebrities are like role models for us, and they kind of guide us that this trend or this thing or this is the way I should feel about something else, and they guide us maybe subconsciously or consciously, but they do guide us whether we allow them to or not. We've got to be really careful about that. Social media was another one. Tells us and guides us in a lot of different ways. Science, for those of you that are more on the intellectual side, science says it guides you into, into your decision-making. Another one was knowledge. Another one was self. Just guide yourself, right? And the one that was my favorite, the favorite thing, the most answered for what is our guide, it was Google. <laughs> Google's our guide. Yeah, how do you do this? How do you do that? Where do I go? Am I sick? WebMD? Yep, I'm sick. Yep. <laughs> Just Google everything. It's our guide. Mm. God, we come to you this morning, and we're asking for you to speak to us in a bold way. God, we know that you're not a, a God of guilt and shame but you do love us with an everlasting love. You're a loving father that wants the best for us. God, we ask that you'd pour wisdom into us. God, we're so thankful for your truth. We're thankful that it's an absolute truth, not an absolute suggestion, but it's mixed with unmatched grace and mercy. 
God, we love you, and we invite you to speak to us in a powerful way. Amen. As most of us know, a retired NBA legend, Kobe Bryant, and his daughter, Gigi, tragically died in a helicopter crash in California on January 26th on a Sunday morning. Crashed into a hillside about 9.45 a.m. local time. All nine people on board, including Bryant's daughter, Gigi, died in the crash. The National Transportation Safety Board and the Federal Aviation Administration have been investigating the crash ever since. And at a recent briefing, an NTSB member said the helicopter, don't miss this, missed clearing a hill by just 20 to 30 feet and that it did not have a terrain warning system that could have altered the pilot or alerted the pilot to the hills below. All nine people on the flight were headed toward the Mamba Sports Academy in Thousand Oaks to attend his daughter's basketball game. The pilot was a very experienced pilot, deeply familiar with the Los Angeles area. Only a pilot like this pilot with over 8,200 hours of career flight time. Everyone say 82 hours. An experienced instrument-rated commercial pilot and a flight instructor would have been in the air in the conditions seen on that Sunday. According to the journal, the National Weather Service's local office warned of a deep marine layer low clouds, and a dense fog. All public aircraft was grounded that day, but Bryant's helicopter was given special permission to fly in the foggy, the foggy weather. The helicopter circled for 12 minutes while awaiting special visual flight rules, SVFR, a special clearance to continue on in the foggy conditions without the guide of a special flight instrument. SVFR means a pilot can fly without relying on instrument-based navigation, according to CNN. Again, the aircraft was missing a terrain guiding and warning system designed to provide terrain information that could have alerted the pilot to the hills below. Under normal visual flight rules, visibility is adequate for a, a pilot to stay oriented and navigate by visual cues. <clears throat> SVFR clearance can be requested when conditions deteriorate during a flight that was previously under VFR, or visual flight rules. At 9.44 a.m., the helicopter was traveling at 160 miles an hour, according to the LA Times. The pilot then climbed about 875 feet in less than one minute, slowing down to 125 miles an hour, then made a sharp turn left. The pilot had been ascending to avoid a cloud layer just before the helicopter crashed. Around 9.45 a.m., the 11,000-pound helicopter 
crashed into a hilly area in Thousand Oaks. It had been flying at about 176 miles per hour. Obviously, a tragedy. Devastating. Our prayers go out to all of their families. But what I'd like to suggest to you is that many of us as believers are living our spiritual lives. We're flying through life. We're flying through relationships and emotions, finances, physical life, professional life, through the hills and through the valleys. And we're doing the same thing. We are relying on our own vision and we're flying with no guide. We have this inerrant, inspired, perfect gift from God. It's a guide. It's for us. It's the, biggest, the best gift we've ever received outside of Jesus. And we're flying through life and wondering why we're crashing. Because we've got a guide that we either are not turning on or we're not even putting it on board powerful representation of what happens in our daily life. I want to invite you to stand real fast as we read God's word. We're going to read Psalm 119 together. And some of you that know Psalm 119, you're like, oh my goodness, we're going to read 176 verses? No, we're not. We're going to read just a small portion of Psalm 119. This chapter is all about the word of God. It's all about scripture. It's all about this. It's referred to in 171 of the 176 verses, either law or decrees or commands or scripture is all in every single verse, 171 out of 176. We don't know who wrote it. Some say 50% of scholars say David, 50% say it wasn't David. Regardless of who wrote it, what we do need to know is the beginning of Psalm 119 and the end of Psalm 119 are completely disjointed. What that tells us is that it wasn't written at one time sitting down while you're inspired about the word of God and just ooze out how much you love the word of God just in one sentence or in one sitting. It was over a lifetime, through the hills, through the valleys, the way that we're supposed to look at scripture after a whole entire lifetime of living. Those of you that are a little bit more seasoned in the room, you know what I talk about, what I'm talking about. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 11. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. Who here would like to be blessed? <laughs> Live stream, like to be blessed? Okay. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord, or walk according to the law, to the scriptures. Blessed are those who keep his statutes or scriptures and seek him, with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his scriptures. You have laid down scripture that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways or my scriptures were steadfast in obeying your, your scriptures. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your scriptures. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous scriptures. I will obey your scriptures. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your scripture. 
I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your scripture. I've hidden your scripture in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's pretty powerful stuff. That's just 11 verses. Pretty powerful stuff, right? The truth is, Scripture is our guide. It needs to be our guide. And I want to tell you, I'm going to give you four reasons this morning. Every believer must have Scripture as their guide for these specific crucial reasons. You may have a seat. Reason number one. Chris, what is reason number one? You guys ask great questions. Reason number one is we need better vision. We need better vision. My wife and I just went to Costa Rica for our 20th wedding anniversary just last month and had an absolute blast. We didn't do much for five year, 10 year, 15 year, but for 20 year, I mean, we, we went all out. It was pretty awesome. What happens in Costa Rica stays in Costa Rica. <laughs> but one of the things that I want to tell you about is one day we went on a a rainforest jungle hike thing, guided tour. We got to the little guided tour a little bit early and we're like, well, we can walk through the woods just like anyone else can. So, <laughs> so we started walking in there and realized, okay, how much do we pay for this? We're about to do this for three hours. It's trees and it's rain. There's nothing here. There's a couple rocks. There's a trail, blah, 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 boring, until the guide showed up. And the guide showed up, and the whole entire rainforest came to life, and there were so many things that we had no idea that were there. At one point, we were walking through this trail, and it's, it, we're on a mountain. So like on this side of me is a mountain going up, and on this side is a mountain going down. And we were walking, and I was like walking here, and he goes, everyone stop. And I'm like, okay. He goes, everyone take four steps backward. Took four steps backward, and he says, now check this out. And he comes over to me. He looks underneath this rock that's six inches from my elbow. And we look under the rock, and he's got a flashlight, and he shows us a whole entire family of bats. Bats were six inches from my elbow. <laughs> like, how would I ever even know? And actually, when I went under there, I still didn't see anything. The flashlight, I barely saw anything. And then he put like a little telescope in there, and it was like lined with bats for like as far as you could see. And I'm like, oh, that was right by me? Like, that's, that's freaky, right? How many things in our lives, we've got these like finite minds, but we have an infinite God. How many things are we just not seeing? That's an earthly guide that comes in and shows us stuff that we can't see. How many experiences, how many opportunities in our life that are there that we have no idea? Not only experiences, but also danger in our life. Right? How many dangers are out there that we need the scripture to point out? Hey, listen, you're going down this road. You're dating this person. And I'm telling you, they're taking you down a bad road. We were walking a little bit further. And I, again, I'm like, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And he's doing this. like, just pointing. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And every once in a while, he'd get a flashlight or he'd get his little telescope, microscope thing, whatever it is. And he would shine it on something. And he said, hey, check out this, this bark right here. I'm like, ooh, we're going to check out bark. This is great. Right? We zoom in on the bark and there's actually a camouflage lizard right there two feet from us that's is, is sitting there. And he goes, it's actually really dangerous. And I'm like, there's a dangerous lizard like two feet from me and this is okay to you? But he pointed out this danger that was right beside me that I had no idea, but I needed a guide to do that. Went a little bit further. 
And he says, and my wife goes, oh, look at those little honeysuckles. Those are so cute. They literally will kill you. If you treat, whatever you do with the honeysuckles, suck the honey out of it, I guess. I don't know. If you were to do that for one of them, you would hallucinate. Three of them, you die. Right? And I'm like, who knew? My guide did. My guide knew. And so you have to be really careful. Right this scripture will point out stuff in your life that you don't see, but it can see it. When I think about the Bible, I think about the story that sticks out to me the most is Simon Peter. Right? Simon Peter and his dudes, right, all fishing at night. Didn't catch jack squat, right? Then Jesus is on the shore in the morning, sarcastically. He's like, hey, catch any fish? As if Jesus doesn't know. Like, he just wants to see them squirm. And they embarrassingly say, no, whatever, we're losers, right? They're just really struggling, They're like, whatever. And he goes, cast on the other side of the boat. Duh, right? I mean, to a guide, it's no big deal. He knows. He's like, the fish are on the other side. They're like, like the side of the boat matters. <laughs> whatever, we'll try it out. They throw the net out there, and they can't even bring the nets in because they have so many fish. Why? Because he saw something they can't see, right? Jesus spoke to them on the shore. He speaks to us in the scripture. He speaks to us just like he did that day. He speaks to us through the scripture. We must be tuned into the scripture to make good decisions in this life, to have the vision to be able to do that. And here's the deal. I want to give a little bit of a warning to all of you professional Christians. <laughs> all of you that are more seasoned, more mature, um, been around the block. Maybe you've been a Christian for, or a Jesus follower for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, 50 years. I don't know. And I would just say this. The biggest danger that you could be in is to depend on your own vision because you feel like you've got it. You can go through the foggy clouds. Oh, you can navigate through all of that. You've got this. You've got 8,200 plus, 8, plus hours. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Don't forsake the instrument. We need the instrument in our lives to be able to make good decisions. Those of you that have the most expert experience, you're the ones that are probably even at the, the, the most amount of concern because you're going to rely on your own strength and not rely on his. So that's reason number one for Scripture being our guide. Number two, we need better, directions, uh, better direction for decisions. Better direction for decisions. Anybody here ever been to Disney World? Raise your hand if you've been to Disney World. Okay. So we just went to Disney last weekend. I was speaking down there at a marriage conference, and they gave our whole family, family of five, all four parks, the Hopper Pass, whatever, for three days. So we went down there and we just totally lived it up. Now, though I'm the kind of guy that's like, oh, we'll go down there and we'll figure it out. Spontaneous. Whatevs. Right? And uh, just, uh, just for the record, I mean, here's what a map looks like of just Magic Kingdom. It's, it's not of all the parks. It's just, and it's only not in the whole, I couldn't get the whole map on there. It's only half of Magic Kingdom. And so if you just go down there spontaneous and like, I'm just going to go down there and we'll figure it out you're going to experience about 20% of Disney. But for me, I had my wife. My wife, a month before we went to Disney, put on Facebook. Any professional Disney people out there have any advice? We're going to Disney. Okay, just so you know, that's like saying, I'm about to have my first ever baby. I need your parenting advice. 
<laughs> it's like, don't do that. Don't ever do that because, man, Disney folks, and some of you might be in the room, some of you might be on live stream, you got some opinions <laughs> on how to do Disney. So she took all these great opinions, right, put them all together, and she had a game plan for every second that we were there. I mean, everything was down to the T. I mean, she had three friends on, like, you know, dial a friend. You know, she had, like, three apps open going in between. She had drones going and checking all the lines. <laughs> she was all in. I mean, it was awesome. And we did all four parks in three days, and we didn't miss a ride. Wow. I was like, what's up now? It was all me. No, it was my guide. But there were some times in there that I was like, girl, like, this is stressful. I'm like, how many? I felt like it was just a bunch of rules. It was like, no, we got to wait 37.5 minutes on this ride. Then we got to go eat at this place. It's 14 paces to this place. And we're going to get pizza. It's $6.50 for one bite of pizza. <laughs> she had it all figured out. And I felt like I was restricted. I felt like there was rules. But now I look back at my Disney experience and realize, man, if it wasn't for the parameters, if it wasn't for the rules, she was a loving wife who wanted me to experience life to the full and life abundantly, right? She wanted me to experience all of Disney. So they're worse. these are going to feel like they're restrictions. They're going to feel like they're rules, but God wants for you more than you want for yourself. As we go through that, I felt like, man, my guide was guiding me. It was a little restrictive, but it's because she wanted what was best for me. And what happens in our lives is we think that it's absolute suggestion. No, this is the absolute truth, not an absolute suggestion. And so we have to understand that. And some of you are still like, I don't know about that. I don't know. There's teaching nowadays. It's like the Bible, is it really inerrant? Yes, it is. You heard it here. It is. Let me, let me, let me give you an example of this. Everyone stand up real fast. Let me, let me kind of bring this to life for you. Everybody close your eyes. Uh-oh. What's he going to have us do? You are, you're not going to do anything weird or anything awkward. Everyone put your finger, your index finger in there. <laughs> index finger. Put that, <laughs> make sure that's clear. Okay, and when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to point in a direction. And without even thinking about it, I want you to point in that direction. Without, don't think about it. It's just however you feel. Don't overassess it. Some of you guys are overthinkers. Don't overthink it. One, two, three, point north. Okay, don't move. Don't move. Wherever you went first, don't move. Freeze. Open up your eyes. Look around. Just for the record, stay there, don't move. Just for the record, how many Norse are there? So, I have got an instrument. I have got the real truth. I've got the absolute truth. If you don't have what this instrument says, you would be what's considered wrong. Okay, so the absolute truth, the true north is that way. Yes. So three quarters of you are stinking wrong. Go ahead and have a seat. Listen, if you're going north, you're on a trip. You're supposed to be going north. And you feel like south is really north, 
you're going to be in a really bad spot. When it comes to our morals or it comes into our dating decisions or our financial decisions or do I make this deal a business deal, it's not how you feel. We have to make sure that we use the scripture as our guide. We need better direction for decisions. Now, let me give you a little bit, kind of a practical example of how this kind of comes to life in our spiritual walk, the decisions we make on a spiritual basis. Obviously, finance is one of those areas that touches every aspect of our life. Marriage, it touches our relationships, it touches parenting, it touches every aspect of our life. There is a segment of believers, and it might be a 15 or 20% of believers, that would say that tithing, giving 10% of your income back to the church, back to the local, is an Old Testament thing. Okay, there's a segment of people out there, like, they're good-hearted people. Now, some of them might be just trying to get out of tithing. I don't know. Right? They like to keep that 10% for themselves. I have no idea. Some of them are just good-hearted people that truly believe that. But like, just feeling like, okay, it's mentioned in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, so therefore it's an Old Testament thing. It's also mentioned in Malachi chapter 3, so it's an Old Testament thing. So I think I, think I use the Scripture as my guide. I have, no, it's the whole Scripture as your guide. Is it really an Old Testament thing, or is it also Old Testament and New Testament? Okay? So, as a way to use Scripture as your guide in decision-making on this kind of stuff, take a look at Matthew 23, 23. This is in the New Testament. This is Jesus speaking, and he, he actually says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, which literally means you know-it-alls, you spiritual know-it-alls. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. That is literally like you tithe. You give one-tenth. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, like justice and mercy and faithfulness, like just being a good person, right? You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Well, it's New Testament. It's right there. It says that. Now, this happened to me this morning I actually kept reading. I've actually never read verse 24. Like, I've always read verse 23, and I'm like, that's pretty good. That's a good, complete thought. Verse 24, you will not believe this. Jesus doesn't even know that we're doing a guide thing up here. Like, Jesus, he, I mean, he does know, but he does. <laughs> Take those words back. Okay. You know what I meant. Here's what it says in verse 24. You blind guides, exclamation point. Meaning you're guiding people blind, which means you're ineffective. You're, blind, you're guiding them the wrong way. You blind guides, exclamation point. I could not believe I saw that for the first time this morning. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Strong words, right? That's using scriptures or guide. Like, okay, now there's no doubt. Okay, I've got it, right? Pretty cool. We need to use this right here, this gift, to be able to, not just that, but like how to handle conflict. Anyone have any conflict in their life? Right? We got conflict, right? Anytime you're going to be rubbing elbows with other human beings, you're going to have conflict. Not only that, how to handle the poor, like how to cross the road and be a good Samaritan, right? How to not get puffed up like these Pharisees. How to not be idle like David and look at Bathsheba on the roof. How to not be uh, seeking and thirsting power like Saul. How not to throw stones in judgment. This is our guide on making good decisions, what to do and what not to do. 
It's reason number two for why scripture is our guide. Reason number three, we need an accurate identity. An accurate identity. Some of you have heard me say before that uh, I live on a farm. I'm Farmer Brown. Uh, you, you don't see it today, but I literally, most of the time, I am Farmer Brown. Here's a picture of my, my son and I hunting on my farm. Okay? That's kind of like current day Brown. Chris Brown, right? Not that one. Uh, <laughs> whenever I post a picture like this, though, I've got friends down in Miami. I, went, I lived in Miami from 2008 to 2013, and they always say the same thing when I post a picture like that. They'll say, I don't even know you anymore, man. Because <laughs> here's a picture of me in Miami. <laughs> what you don't know about that picture is I actually have white jeans on, I have pointed boots, excessive jewelry typically, and frosted tips in my hair. I'm talking Miami Vice. Like, and they literally, they see these pictures of me on a farm. Like, I don't even know you. Who are you? You've lost your identity. And thank the Lord that my identity is not in where I live, what I wear, what my hobbies are, but it's secure in this. This God gives me my accurate identity that I am a child of God. Like we sang about this morning that I'm made in his image. Like we sang about this morning that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that I was knit together in my mother's womb. When we have an accurate identity, well, that's when you're secure. And like David's taught before, we're unoffendable, right? And that's not always that way because you're still weak in your flesh and you still get offended. But you're not as offended as often because you've got a Godfidence about you. You've got security about you. I even have a pastor friend who struggles with this. He is, his security is wrapped up in a social media platform. Whoever likes him, whoever doesn't like him, whoever unfollows, follows, all that kind of stuff, it literally throws him into a tailspin whenever something happens negative because he's wrapped up in that. That's actually a pastor. Pastors struggle with that stuff? Aren't they like perfect or something? No, right? He's got 8,200 hours. He's an expert and he still struggles with this. When you're in here and this right here is your guide, You've got that accurate identity of who you are, and nothing can shake that. Reason number four, we need comforting promises. Comforting, anyone here just need a comforting promise in their life, right? Anyone here in your life, you've gotten a comforting promises that you've held on to for years that really came through for you? Many of you know that uh, I didn't have a stable dad growing up. I had several father figures that went in and out of jail and went from abuse shelter to abuse shelter and just didn't have a father in my life. And so obviously, there was tremendous gaps in my life, like the ones you would think. How to tie a tie. I don't know, right? Uncle had to teach me that. How to change a tire. Had to figure that out the first time I blew a tire. And it was all, it would have been funny YouTube. If video was then, they would have videoed it, it would have been hilarious. Awful. How to take a fish off a hook. These are all things that I just had to figure out on my own. I had these gaps in my fatherhood, uh, in my childhood about fathers. When I was in college, my first semester in college, I was exposed to a comforting promise. In Psalm 68, it says, I am the father to the fatherless. And ever since that day, that has resonated deep inside of my soul. And not only have I clung to that as an eternal father and a spiritual father, 
but literally I feel his involvement in my life as an earthly father on a daily basis. Like he is deeply ingrained into my life and I am his son. I feel that. I've clung to it 20 plus years. It's a, it's a promise that I need. How many of you are so deep into this that you can cling the promises? They just come off of your tongue. They just come off the front of your mind. Just the, There's promise after promise after promise in there. They're not self-help. They're not cliches. They are, they are promises from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I, I want to encourage us to Let's actually, let's stand. Let's stand real fast. And uh, I, my prayer is that today, that we don't just come and get kind of revitalized passion for the word of God, but that you would leave here with a fresh word from God, a comforting promise in your life. I invite you to close your eyes and I just want to speak some truth over you. I just want you to just receive this. Just sit there and receive it and just allow yourself to be shepherded this morning. And maybe there's somebody here today and I'm assuming it's probably more than one person that's just anxious. You have an anxious spirit about you. Maybe it's even further and it's just a deep-rooted anxiety. The scriptures promise it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. That's just as much true today as it was then. It goes on to say, do not fear or be dismayed. Maybe you're here this morning and you're fearful. First of all, the Bible says that uh, we are not given a spirit of fear, but given a spirit of power love and a sound mind. The spirit of fear is straight from the enemy. The scriptures promise, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, will they comfort me? Maybe you're here today and you're mourning. I spoke to a gentleman in the first service that just lost his brother this week. Maybe you're here and you're mourning. The scriptures tell us he sets on high those who are lowly. And those who mourn are lifted to safety. Receive that today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is the reason why we allow scripture to be our guide. Maybe you're covered in shame today. Maybe you did something and you're, you're shamed. And let this kind of wash over you and you just hear shame off you. The scriptures promise the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Even on Sunday morning, even now on March 1st of 2020, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, including Sunday morning. Great is your faithfulness. Maybe you feel like giving up. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble the scriptures say. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Scriptures say, take heart, I have overcome the world. The Bible goes on to say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. 
He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth, break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. In closing, as you continue to close your eyes and just imagine with me what it was like for that pilot in those remaining minutes, those last few minutes of his life, what it was like the, the being poised and being calm on the outside and having it all together, but internally being full of chaos and torment and stress and anxiety and worry, not being able to see, feeling disoriented, not having a guide. Sad, sad, sad story. How many of us are inviting that same kind of stress that same kind of inner torment inside of our lives because we're not using the instrument. We're not using the true north. We're not using the compass. We're not using the guide. May we be a people, as we look into the mirror, these mirrors and mirrors at home, may we be a people. The reflection that we see is a person that not only lives out all these values, but we see a person where scripture is our guide.